Hello, friends, and welcome to another edition of Dan and Benny in the Ring. I'm Dan Spasciano, joined, as always, by the BS Express himself, Benny Scala. Benny, how you doing, buddy? Dan, I took another foray into the dating game. Uh-oh. So, yeah, blind date, took her to a restaurant. I actually kind of liked her a bit, and uh, I liked her so much, I started singing Rock Me Like a Hurricane. And I guess she was a very literal person. She knocked me off my chair and threw a pitcher of water on me. So, oh no! back, back to the drawing board. Well, when it, when it comes to uh, the women that tend to like you, Benny, blind is the key word, right? <laughs> blind, deaf, and dumb, maybe. Oh, but um, you know, we always uh, we always have a good laugh and and good times. And speaking of of good times and fun conversation, we were chatting a bit before we started recording. Benny, we have a, a, a guest voice on the line today. Why don't you tell everybody who's joining us? Okay, this gentleman, I met him at uh, the Boogies Wrestling Camp, the BWC, in beautiful Shawsville, Virginia, in the middle of God's country, because only God and Jimmy Valiant knows where it is. Uh, That was on August 8th for Jimmy's birthday party. Uh, This gentleman uh, has wrestled a laundry list of legendary wrestlers, and one of the things we're going to get into, he's, you know, just about, if you name a wrestler in the last 30 years, chances are this gentleman has wrestled him. And uh, he just brings, and this is something we'll get into as well, a very special blend of intensity and passion into wrestling, which I absolutely love. So this is Mark Perez, a.k.a. Carnage, Mr. Mark. Welcome to Danny hey. Benny in the Ring. Hey, man, I appreciate you guys. How y'all doing tonight? So Living far, so good. <laughs> you know, one of the uh, highlighted accolades if people were to to look up any of the many many clips floating around uh your foyer into the independent professional wrestling alliance hall of fame i believe it was 2012 2013 uh you were inducted and um uh, go ahead yeah no go ahead sir oh i was gonna say i want to start with I, I know it's it's cliche we we ask it it seems like uh we ha- have this conversation with everybody but um Having such a long career and being involved in wrestling as long as you were, um, when did the the bug get you? When did the wrestling bug bite you that you knew uh, I'm going to be a wrestler? Well, I tell you, man, I grew up with it. You know, my my uh, mother and my grandmother would watch it every Saturday morning, and and uh, I would just watch it with them. And eventually, I I would just have to watch it. It was just so exciting. It just kind of drew me in, just like it you know, draws everybody else in, uh, out there that wants to be a wrestler. And, uh, you know, I tell you, I, I watched it and kept watching it. And when I was probably about seven or eight, uh, maybe around 10 ish, um, you know, I would, I would actually know more about it than, you know, I started around five watching it, but, you know, as I got older, I learned more. And so it just kind of, uh, you know, really pulled me in tight and, I would probably say uh, probably about the mid seventies I was watching uh, superstar Billy Graham versus Dusty Rhodes in Madison square garden. And they had a series of matches, a few of them. One of them was a, uh, a bull rope match. um, And then then they had a couple of others and, and just watching that match alone, just that was it for me, man. I mean, just watching the dream in there, 
just the the charismatic person that he was. Um, I want to I wanted to do that, and and so you know um, that was it for me, man. And that was that was my goal originally. I I wanted to be a roller derby star, but because uh, I used to watch the old roller derby back in the day. Bay Area uh, Bombers. But, yeah, man, but you know that that never panned out. So I actually, actually, I, I take that back. I did try out to be a roller derby star, um, probably about ten years ago, but uh, I just couldn't get past the uh, uh, the tryout part because it was just too much, man. But anyway, so I just became a roller derby announcer for a while, for about an, a year or so. Uh, and that was about the closest I got to that. But so I was still involved in a little bit, just not what I wanted. Uh, but uh, but then wrestling, though, was, was really something that I wanted to do. I never thought I'd, I'd be doing it this long. But uh, when I started, I thought maybe I'd have three to five years, maybe. Uh, but I'm going on 27. So, you know, it's pretty long. Mark, those matches, uh, I, I remember when, I guess it would have been 77, when uh, Superstar was the champion and Dusty came into the garden for a couple of matches against him. And I think there was one where uh, Dusty, what a, probably like one of my top five favorite matches. And at the end, I mean, just those guys never left their feet even once, you know, no high spots. But I mean, the, the crowd, which had to be about 21,000 people, whatever it was, they were going batshit. They were, they were like a thousand percent into it. And then at the end, I think Dusty, uh, backdrop superstar over the top rope superstar got counted out and i guess people had some temporary amnesia thought that uh that dusty was the champion and like people were losing their minds but uh they had to me like two of the most charismatic wrestlers ever and like i said never had to leave their feet but i i think you mentioned that you did you actually meet one or both of them uh yeah i've actually met both of them which was absolutely phenomenal i in 2005 um, I was doing a, um, an indie show and, um, I, I didn't even know they were going to be on it. All of a sudden I'm in a dressing room and all of a sudden here comes Dusty Rhodes walking in and I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> you know, I just, I just absolutely freaked out because this is the guy that, that I idolized to get into the business. And, uh, and here he is right in front of me. And it was just absolutely amazing. We chatted, uh, we got a picture together. He was just amazing. We also had, I uh, actually wrestled the Bushwhackers that night. They were, they were on the car. Nice. We wrestled them and, and, uh, Mickey James back when she was Alexis Lurie, she was actually on the show too. So we had all, all of them on, on one indie show. And it was just, it was just absolutely amazing to finally meet him. And then, uh, some years later, uh, I would always go up every year to the hall of fame up in, uh, Amsterdam, New York. They would always have a a big hall of fame weekend and all the inductees would be up and the year that superstar was inducted. I was there. Um, and again, got a picture with him, got to chat with him. Uh, another m- amazing, uh, guy. And, um, so to, to finally meet the, the both of them actually during my career was just, you know, I, you just can't top that man. The two, two guys that you watch it, that, that kind of drew you into the business and, and inspired you to be what you are. Uh, people don't hardly ever get to do that. And I was able to do that. And it was just amazing. Speaking of, uh, 
evolving obviously you know the business and and getting into it you you mentioned before it, it tells the story in some of the interviews i've i've seen of yours and in your website about uh being i i don't want i don't want to say older that might not be the right word but um it, your early 30s when you really got into actual wrestling wrestling um you talked about uh working security and saying like hey you know uh kind of one thing leading to another i'm curious uh going from new york and and you we before we started recording you talked about virginia and dc maryland and and the like where did you train to be a wrestler like who who trained you uh well i like i said i started doing the security everything happened in virginia uh, i started doing the security for a local wrestling show uh probably in the early 90s and um, and on the card itself, uh, a couple of the wrestlers were actually promoters themselves and had their own promotion. And so uh, we just got to talking, and then I ended up being, uh, you know, security, head of security for a couple of the promotions, and then eventually uh, Ultimate Championship Wrestling um, was the main company that I was working for. They're the ones that said, hey, man, why don't you, you know, why don't you train and wrestle? And I'm like, no, I'll get out of here. And they said, no, you'd really be good. And I'm like, okay, you know, let me try it out. And so we, we you know, I trained for about six to eight months. And uh, it was in, um, I want to say Lady Smith, Virginia, which is like out in the country down near Richmond. And they, uh, it was out on a farm, a huge barn with no, no air conditioning, no heat, uh, just a dirt floor uh, with, um there, you know, the ring was just set up, you know, I would leave there every, we'd be there four to six hours on, on the weekends. And, you know, I'd leave there covered in, in dust and dirt and, and everything just from being in a ring. And it was just, uh, it was, it was hard, man. And, uh, you know, a couple of the guys I, I worked with, uh, one of them went, you know, wrestled in WCW, uh, for a while. He was, you know, a jobber and stuff. I, I'm not going to mention his name because, we have heat with with each other, and, and uh, so I won't give him any credit. But he did wrestle on um, um, Monday Nitro against Hall and Nash. Uh, his partner was Bobby Starr. I don't know if you know who Bobby. Bobby's another great indie worker. He was actually on that very first show, and we've been friends ever since. Um, and he worked with WCW, and um, and so yeah, so he he worked with them, and so he you know he kind of helped train me and everything, and. Um, and that was it, man. I just started, I actually started under a hood, um, as the masked assassin is when I first started, I did that for about a year. And then, um, they put me with a guy named riot and, uh, he came up with the name carnage and I'm like, yeah, I love it, man. And so it just kind of stuck with me and, and we became, you know, tag team champions and stuff. He ended up retiring. I went solo and been kind of solo ever since. It's funny. You mentioned the mask, the assassin, and then your, your carnage persona as time goes on. Um, if I can kind of continue off of that, um, your, your style before we got on Benny and, and speaking of which Benny, tell me, tell me I'm wrong here, but how many guests have we had since we started doing this show that, that all tell the same story that their training was some dirt filled barn or back room somewhere. <laughs> You know, it, 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 apparently air conditioning is something that's not allowed at wrestling schools. I've noticed that. 
<laughs> yeah. But but you you talk and Benny was telling me the story that you could uh, people across the street could hear the chops you were throwing in your matches. Mark, and... I could have been like across. There's a farm across <laughs> the the street. I could have been like a picking corn in the cornfield, and I still would have heard those chops. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, I, I kind of pride myself on those chops. Actually, I really do. Well, as as a as a lifelong fan, and the fact that there's really nobody out there that has the 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 mix of style and and substance, is there anybody that really influenced your your the in ring persona? Maybe not the character, but but your 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 moves or, or is there any kind of influence where you could say, you know, I, I do X, Y, and Z because I grew up watching this guy or because so-and-so taught me that. Is there really anybody that's a key influence? Yeah, there was, you know, like I said, I've been watching ever since I was a little kid. So I've had a, you know, big influence of, of so many across, you know, across my career. And, and I, and I just kind of pick up on some as I go along, but uh, two of the biggest ones I, I always enjoyed was The Undertaker and Sting. Uh, they were like two of my, my biggest guys. You know, I actually got to meet Sting in, in 1990. Uh, Undertaker, I never met, but um, I just uh, respected him enough that what he did for, for a big man. And so I actually used some of their moves. I used the, the Stinger Splash. I actually used in, uh, in my matches, and I actually do the, the old school uh, top rope walk. Uh, that the Undertaker does. So I actually use both of those moves uh, in almost every match that I have, or at least try to to do those moves uh, to respect, you know, for the respect to them. And um, and so yeah, so those two guys were really in, and the Undertaker, kind of him and Shawn Michaels, uh, kind of helped with my persona and my look and things like that. And, and it's always evolved throughout my whole career. I've never just worn the same thing. I've always changed it and always try to, you know, change it up and, and, and bring it, uh, bring it a new style. But uh, the characters kind of always been the same. Mark, you brought up roller derby. So like now I'm having flashbacks because believe it or not, <laughs> I, you know, I grew up, Born in Brooklyn, moved to Long Island when I was three. I only went to one sporting event at Madison Square Garden. I, I went to I went to two events at Madison Square Garden my whole lifetime. Elton John in 1974, and in I think it was Palm Sunday, 1970, the Roller Derby. I was 15. <clears throat> the Bay Area Bombers against the Midwest Pioneers, and oh, I mean wow. that place. I think at that time it was the uh, the largest ever crowd. For roller derby, but for a while there, that it was gigantic in the early seventies. It was it was at its peak, and then it kind of just flamed out. But I just wanted to thank you for bringing up a great memory. But I, I have to know back to your childhood. Uh, you mentioned your mother and your grandmother. I have to know who who were their favorites. Oh well, my 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 grandmother liked uh, Ivan Putski nice. and uh, Bruno San Martino. That was her two favorites. And then my mom, she was, she just kind of liked, she really didn't kind of have a favorite. She just kind of liked, liked it in general and just kind of liked the, just the whole entertainment part of it. And, you know, she just liked that in, in general. But uh, my grandmother really liked Ivan Putschke. He was, he was like her, her real favorite. Okay. When was your, when was your first live show? 
my first wrestling match was probably around 94, 95, I think. No, it was, as far uh, as like when, when, as a kid, though, when did you first attend a, a show? Oh, oh, of course. I, I, that's the thing. I never, I never got a chance to actually go to, to a rest, a live oh, wrestling okay. show. Yeah. I never, I never got a chance. I get, I always watch it on TV. Uh, you know, I, we kind of grew up kind of porn stuff, so we really didn't do a whole lot of, of, uh, many things. And so, uh, with us, well, I only lived in, in New York city when I was a little kid. And then we moved out to long Island, just like you, I moved out to long Island and so we really didn't do a whole lot, you know, it was, uh, my mom was a single parent. And so, uh, it was just me and her. And so, um, it was, it was kind of hard. And so, um, it, uh, we never really got a chance to do any of that. And, um, but, um, yeah, so I never really got to see my, I started seeing some wrestling indie shows probably in my mid to late twenties. I would see some, you know, some local stuff here and there, but, um, it wasn't until I was, you know, probably around 30 or so, uh, is when, is when I actually was involved with one and got to see one up close. And be yeah, I mean, there, there's been stories of major league baseball players that they attended their first major league game when they played in one. It's kind of almost sounds like the same with you. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that, that was pretty much it. I mean, when I did the security for that, for that one event, that was like my actually first, uh, you know, wrestling, live wrestling event that I was actually involved in and a part of and everything. And then it was just, you know, about a year or two after that is when I started wrestling. So. Nice. Okay. Can't argue with that. I mean, you know, Benny, you and I have talked many, many times about fans of wrestling and despite living in the Baltimore DC area, well, being within a driving distance of the Baltimore DC area as a kid, I didn't go to my first live wrestling show, like actual match until I was a, an adult. I went to the fan fests and some of the small stuff they had at conventions, but I didn't go to any of the, re- any of the arenas until I was in my twenties. Yeah. All those years I lived like, I mean, uh, my, I was about an hour to an hour and a half commute between the uh, Long Island Railroad and the subway, but I never attended wrestling at Madison Square Garden. I went to uh, the Island Gardens in West Hempstead, which is my first show when I was 13. My dad took me, and then he took me to Sunnyside Gardens. Uh, but most of the time now, where well, the Nassau Coliseum was built, I think, in 1972, and by then I had my driver's license. I was a senior in high school, so I went to a ton of shows at the Coliseum, but it wasn't quite the same as the Garden. It wasn't bad, but um, yeah, I mean, there there have been Major League Baseball players. Their first major league game was one that they were playing in. So I think it's great. Like Mark actually, you know, he, he lived it. Yeah. Yeah. It was great, man. You know, speaking of, of shows, you were telling us the, when you were working security, you said a lot of the wrestlers uh, had their own promotions and obviously, you know, being, being in the uh, independent professional wrestling Alliance hall of fame, you you've been all over what, what would be considered like the modern territories, we had a previous guest recently, Knuckles Nelson, and we chatted, and, and it came up because of stories that we've heard before. I'm curious, and, and I'm not asking you to name name any names, um, but with somebody with as much indie wrestling experience as you have, do you have any, any for lack of a better term, any, any horror stories from the promoters? Because uh, we've, we've heard some, some crazy stories about people getting uh, stiffed, uh, money, um, showing up to arenas with the, that didn't have a ring. Uh, do you have any, any real 
crazy road stories that you might want to share? Oh my God, dude! You guys got about three hours because <laughs> man, I got so many. Oh my God! I mean, I don't, I don't even know where to start. I mean, it, there's been so many. I mean, so many crappy promoters out there. You know, I've been try. Actually, I'll give you a couple of quick ones, real quick. One promoter in in, in North Carolina, he would he would do this thing where you would go there and he would say, well, you know, I can't pay you, you know, I'll, I can't pay you now, but I, I'll pay you at the next show. And then when you get to the next show, it's like, well, I can give you what I owed you, but I can't pay you today. It's got to wait till the next show. And so it would go on like that. And then finally I got to a point I was supposed to wrestle. Uh, he, he told me I was going to win his heavyweight title. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. He said, then I'll pay you everything. I owe you. I'm like, all right, that's cool, man. So, uh, I went down there. He, he, he had this other guy that I really didn't care about, care a whole lot about. And uh, we get out, and we're probably about right before our match. And he's he's like, "Well, I want you to put this guy over." And um, I'm like, "Excuse me." I'm like, "I thought we've already discussed all this." And he said, "No." He said, "I want you to put him over instead tonight." I'm like, well, I need my money then. He says, well, I, can I give it to you later? I'm like, no, you're going to give it to me now or else I'm not going out this door for your main event and putting this guy over. I said, that's how it's going to work, brother. And so he ended up giving me money. I went out there, did the job that I had to do for him, you know, out of respect. Uh, I'm, I'm keep my word. And, uh, and that was it. I never, never, ever worked for that promotion again. I know a lot of guys that refused to, to work for that guy. And then it was a, another time uh, this other promoter in the Virginia beach area, he went out, he, he probably gave out over a hundred free tickets to people and said, Oh man, we're going to have a great show. Blah, blah, blah. It's first time I ever worked for the guy. I can't even remember what his name was. Cause I don't think he ever ran a show again after that. But, uh, we ended up having like five people show up for this event. And, uh, one of the wrestlers, he has a, a bad habit of just, getting really personal with the fans. He was a heel and he just started bad mouthing a lot of the, the, the couple of fans we had. And, and so by the time intermission came, they just got so fed up and some of them walked out. I think I, by the time I came out, there was like two, maybe three fans left. I think out of the five or so that was there. I mean, it was just, it was just absolutely horrible, dude. I mean, but there's a lot of that out there. There's just too many promoters that, uh, I mean, I was an owner and a promoter myself, and so trust me, I know what it takes to be one. And, and probably about eighty percent of the promoters out there absolutely just suck, and it's just horrible that um, you know they're doing it mostly just for their ego and for their friends to play wrestler. Uh, that's a term that Cubal Carmichael uses a lot. He uses the term play wrestler. And that's what they do, man. They're just out there playing wrestling. They're not dedicated to the sport. They're not trying to help it. They're just trying to, you know, do it for their own ego. And it's and it's just pathetic. Mark Brendan, uh, when we were going over his book last week, and he said uh, we were talking about promoters, and uh, he said that some of them actually like they want he wanted the promoter wanted exclusivity. And didn't want him to wrestle for anyone else, but he was paying him like out of twenty five, fifty bucks, and he maybe ran once or twice a month. Did you have you ever encountered anybody like that? Um, I mean, I mean, I know a couple of promoters that that did that. I mean, that they would, they that they are kind of like, well, you know, you work for me, you can't work for anybody else. 
And that's just a wrong attitude, man, because the wrestlers have to grow and they, and they can't grow unless they get experience all over the place with many different talents and promotions. And to try to keep people exclusive like that, I mean, unless you're paying them a whole lot of money, uh, it's just absurd. And uh, I personally have never run across anyone to do that to me. Uh, but I know that I, I know a couple of promoters that have done that to people. And I just I just don't think it's right. Hmm. Well, the conversation we had last time on promoters started um, the the old well trying to remember the year now. I can't remember the year he told me. Um, Jeff Robinson, an old friend of mine, he's actually uh, he hosted a po- the podcast in its original form before he passed away and I took over for him. And that's kind of where Benny and I came from was the ashes from that. Um, he used to tell me the story that he went to a show and they ran out of money and the, the promoter tried to pay the people he had there. Jeff was a referee in, in those subway bucks. Like basically, here's an envelope with, oh you know, yeah. you know the little the little coupons. This is good for a dollar oh in some way. And yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm curious if you have. Obviously, you had people that that, that well, I'll pay. Uh, I'll gladly pay you Tuesday for yeah, your the, hamburger the, the day. You know? That's what I thought. Um, you know, wimpy. But uh, I'm wondering if you have any <laughs> any crazy pay stories of someone that tried to offer you vouchers or anything like that. Yeah, no. Well, actually, no, I've been, I mean, other than being completely stiffed on, on pay, uh, quite a few times, I did have one promoter, um, that, uh, he, he owed, he owed probably three or four guys, um, money that night. And he says, look, dude, he said, I don't have enough money. He said, I will be gladly, this was a Saturday. Of course. He said, I will gladly write you a check. And I'm like, no, dude. I said, I don't take checks. I said, but he says, no, I guarantee it, man. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. I, I trust me. So he gave me and two other dudes uh, checks. And I said, I'm cashing this Monday. I said, in a better, better cash. I said, because I know where you live. I said, I'm going to come to your house and collect my money if I don't. And so first thing Monday morning, I swear, I went to the bank and I cashed it. I got my money. Not I'm in the, I swear to God, I'm in the parking lot coming out of the bank and the other wrestler calls me. He goes, dude, did you cash your check yet? I go, yep. I just got my money. Why? He goes, well, the promoter just called me and told me not to cash any of the checks because they're all no good. He doesn't have any money in the bank. I'm like, well, bro. I said, well, I got my money. I said, you know, so I don't know what to tell you, man. And I know. I think I heard that he ended up having like over three hundred dollars in bounce check charges or something like that. But his account got completely messed up. And uh, hey, I got my money. That's all I cared about. But he used the words guarantee and trust me, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. When anybody says guarantee me or trust me, you know, you know, you're in trouble, man. Right. So, but uh, I was, I was, I was lucky enough to 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 get my money. But the other. Three guys that got checks, they they got nothing. So, wow, that's, that's cool. the way it goes, man. Yeah. So, uh, Mark, we you know, in, during the intro, I said you you wrestled a laundry list of some of the all time greats, and if if you could maybe just name a few of them, and then um, also who your favorite was and who your least favorite was. 
Wow, yeah, the laundry list is real long, man. I, real long. You know, I'll, I'll, yeah, it was pretty long, man. I, I mean, a couple of the, the bigger names is uh, the Iron Sheik, uh, Abdullah the Butcher, Tony Atlas. Um, uh, you know, just just to the Earthquake, uh, Honky Tonk Man. I mean, some of those guys are just some of the some of the bigger bigger names that I've wrestled. Um, uh, one of my two of my favorites, real. I had two. I had Tony Atlas. Um, uh, demolition acts those two guys are really real because i got to travel with tony while we were working uh, for this promotion in north carolina so me and him got to travel a lot together so we really got a, a good friendship going and um and then having to work him was was really fun because he's he's just hilarious that guy but uh demolition acts was really good too he taught me a lot of things that i didn't know he he taught me how to use a, an invisible gimmick uh, during our match, which I had never done before. And I was really nervous about, and he said, no, he said, you could do it. Just listen to me. And I did, and it worked out perfectly. And so now I'm able to actually use an invisible gimmick now, which I was never able to do that. And so that was pretty amazing. Uh, but my very first main event, uh, was against a honky tonk man. Uh, and I want to say that was around 95 and, um, he had just, it was only a couple of years that he had, you know, come out of WWE, whatever right. it was. And so he was hot. And so we packed a VFW hall that probably had, uh, I want, I want to say probably about five or 600 we had in there for this, for this event. And so here I am, my first main event, honky tonk, man. And I'm like, Holy geez, you know, I'm, I hope I don't mess up. And so we, we just had a really good talk in the back and, and he, he was really cool about everything. And we went out there, we did the deal. I, I took the, the shake, rattle and roll. Uh, he went over and um, it, it was a good time. I mean, I really had a good time with him because he really made my very first main event uh, very easy, I guess, in a way, uh, even though I was nervous as hell, but he really made it really easy for me and, and comfortable enough that we, we actually had a good match. And so we, we've done some, uh, other events after that. And he's, he's just, you know, another good guy that, that I really like. Um, but you asked me about non favorites. I mean, I've had a few that, that weren't so good, but I know Manny Fernandez, I would say, I mean, I respect the guy for what he did and everything, but I think at that time that I wrestled him in North Carolina, I don't think he was very happy with me. I don't know if he, if he just didn't like the way I worked or whatever it was, but I know he was just kind of like really salty with me for a whole match and everything. And, um, we've just never really, you know, never talked or anything ever after that or whatever. It was just that one time and out. And, um, and so I don't, I don't know what it was. I don't know if he was just having a bad day, but he it was just, been, yeah, yeah. yeah, he was just really salty with me for some reason and, and just didn't like my, my work and, and whatever it was, but it was just, I, I know it wasn't a good match for me, uh, maybe because of his style. Um, but, um, but yeah, it was, it was not one of my, my, uh, greater moments in, in my career. You know, you, you talk about Wayne Ferris, the, the honky tonk man, a lot of people, I mean, his run in, in WWF and his time in WCW were famous, but he stayed on the indie scene and was still, like you said, selling out the shows. I think it was, correct me if I'm wrong from your previous interviews, that was Dale City, your your match with him, correct? Yeah, that is. That was the Dale City VFW Hall, yes. Yeah, and, and so, I mean, all these years 
uh, later still still packing in the indie shows. You've been wrestling for the the better you know several decades yourself now uh, involved in the business. Do you have kind of a a a a plan down the road, or is this one of those you know when 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 you when time is right you'll know. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, I, I stay, you know, I stay healthy. I stay in shape. I'm in the gym, you know, three to four days a week, two hours a day. Um, you know, I, I eat right. I keep my weight at a, at a good level where I'm supposed to be, uh, physically I'm in great shape. Uh, mentally I'm in great shape. So, um, you know, as long as, as long as I can still get out there and people still want to book me and I can still put on a good match for, for the fans. Um, you know, that, that's kind of my plan. Just kind of, kind of taking it day by day. I mean, eventually uh, my goal, I mean, like I said, I owned one promotion back in 2017. It was uh, Virginia professional wrestling Alliance. Uh, we did, we ran for about a year. Um, I owned it. I promoted it. Uh, we had great shows. My very first show I did had over 300. Uh, I was averaging 150 to 200 a show. And, uh, you know, we had a great run and, uh, you know, I, 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 I kind of like that part. I like booking the wrestlers and putting the matches together and things like that. And so I, I think down the road, eventually, maybe within the five years or so, I'm hoping to maybe relocate, uh, somewhere warm, maybe near Charlotte or somewhere, uh, a little warmer than, than, uh, Northern Virginia, and maybe, you know, start a new promotion and, and just kind of uh, maybe start helping training uh, as well. Maybe get some good trainers in there and maybe start training some of the, the youth of today to, to, to learn to respect the business. I know Gangrel opened up a training school down in Florida, and I've, I've talked to him many times. And, uh, you know, he what he does down there with that training, he makes them all work uh, outside the ring. And, and it teaches them to respect it and they have to earn to get into that ring. And I think that is probably one of the best things I've ever heard from a trainer. And, uh, and so, yeah, so that would kind of like be what I would want to do. I'd want to do that to really have these people, uh, guys and girls learn to respect that ring, uh, like they should. And, and, and I like the way Gangrel is doing his thing. And so, um, maybe, maybe, you know, who knows? Well, I mean, Benny, you, uh, You've said it how many times on the show now? The the wrestling scene in Florida is is always hopping. Absolutely. I mean, obviously, I, I live in in Norfolk here in Virginia and Hampton Roads. I mean, that's Crockett territory. You know, going back and and if you're going to go anywhere to 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 if you want to put roots down anywhere that has a history, a, a deep history of wrestling, you go to. To like you said, in North Car- parts of North Carolina, Southern Virginia, and and Florida are two good places to go. Either part of the uh, the, the Mid Atlantic Territory, or the the old uh, Florida Territory, right? There you go. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. Speaking of uh, speaking of, of moving around a bit, the the between your your masked personas and the carnage character you've done both you've played both the heel and and face characters as, as, as in your both your matches and and throughout pockets of your career do you have a preference just out of curiosity uh yeah well yeah i mean both are fun i mean from from the merchandise standpoint 
of course, baby face is, you know, the way to go. And, and I don't mind doing that. Um, but, uh, but man, I'd love being a heel, man. I just, I just love it. I love the, I love getting a rise out of people. I love just, uh, testing, testing the fans and just seeing, seeing if I can get them to hate me. I mean, it, I mean, that, that is, anybody can go out there and get cheered, you know, but to get out there and get people to hate you that don't even know you, you know, that's, that's a little harder to do. And so it's, um, and so I, I, I like that challenge. And so a lot of times when, when people ask me to be a heel, I start chomping at the bit because it's like, Oh yeah, here we go. We're going to have some fun tonight. Yep. And uh, you know, I, ju- I just, I mean, it don't matter to me really. It depends on what the promoter wants. It's never what I want. It's always what he needs me to do. You know what I mean? And, and a lot of people forget that, you know, it's the promoter that's running the show you need to do what he wants you to do. And, and a lot of these kids, they don't get that. You know, they're like, oh, I'm a baby face and, that, and that's what I want to be. It's like, no, you need to be what the promoter needs you to be. He's the one that's paying you. He's the, the one that's booking you. Right, exactly. You know, he's the one that's making the matches. And if he needs you to be a heel, then you go out there and you'd be the best damn heel that you need to be because that's what your job is. And so, yeah, so I, you know, I just asked the promoter, what do you need me to do, man? And, and, uh, you know, and then he tells me, unless he asks me and I'll say, well, you know, it's not really up to me. I can do both. You tell me what you want. And that's basically what I do. It's a great way to stay gainfully employed. Uh, I think, uh, <laughs> yeah, Mark, uh, I wrote, uh, you know, actually as of today, both Dan and I are published authors for ProWrestlingStories.com. Dan's first story dropped today. Uh, actually, oh, a awesome. gentleman named George Pontas, who is a promoter in Virginia. And uh, so um, I've written a number of stories, and I've written stories about Bruno, Dominic DiNucci, uh, actually our friend Jimmy Valiant. But believe it, and they've all done pretty well, but they pale in comparison. Um, I wrote a story about Marcus Bagwell, Buff Bagwell, and that story has like double easily of any story that I've, I've dropped just like it, it went, it went viral. Just there's something wow. about the guy. He's, he's, you know, he's polarizing. I mean, I've heard so many things about, you know, he's a jackass and then, you know, other people say, Oh, he's a great guy. So I know that you've had several encounters with him. Um, and I, I believe you said yours were all positive. Yes. Uh, yeah, we, um, we, we worked together for a promotion in North Carolina. We were doing, uh, TV at the time we were, uh, aired in, uh, 15, 20 States and overseas, uh, from 2000, 2004, uh, was called North American championship wrestling, NACW, uh, major promotion. We started at our first show. We did like 300. Uh, we ended up having to move to, a um, uh, high school because we were, we were getting up to 1500, uh, for some of the shows we were doing. And we had a roster that could probably rival uh, AEW's right now uh, because of all the stars that we had on the show. And Buff was one of the guys. Uh, We also, you know, we had Honky Tonk. We had the Rock and Roll Express, Iron Sheik, Barbarian. I mean, uh, the list was endless. Uh, 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 Rick Steiner, uh, on and on. So, I mean, our, our roster was amazing. And so... Buff was down there. We, I worked with him. I didn't work with him, but I, I talked to him many times on the show there. I've done some shows in West Virginia for a promotion there at least two or three times that he was on the show. He was, he was the main star on the show. 
And the dude was just always great, man. I mean, I never had an issue with him. He never had an attitude. He was always, he always wanted to take pictures with everybody. He always wanted to talk to the fans. I mean, he was a very personable guy. And so, I mean, I don't know where anybody gets the, the negativity about him from. I mean, maybe they just don't like him. Maybe they, you know, just haters on him. I don't, I don't know. But I mean, from, from 2000, to today I've had at least four to five run-ins with the guy and never had an issue throughout all those years you know I think it's just my opinion you know it's maybe like with Manny Fernandez maybe you just caught him on a bad day maybe you know maybe with Mark Bagwell maybe it's you know he had a bad day I mean it's it's got to be exhausting traveling around the country doing these shows maybe somebody just caught him at a you know at a bad moment when he was burnt out and you know maybe they didn't get his best response but I, I know yeah, it can't it be, be easy doing that. Yeah, no, I mean, it could be. I mean, you know, I mean, a lot of these guys, I mean, just like with Manny, I mean, I know he had a bad match and, and he didn't like me after the match and whatever it was, but, you know, I still respect him. I still, you know, respect everything that he did and gave to the business. And so, you know, that's really never changed. And, you know, I'd never say anything bad about him, you know, uh, because of what he's done and what he, you know, what he is or who he is. Uh, but I just think, you know, it was just a bad night and, you know, it could have been me. I don't know. Maybe I messed up in a match. I don't know what it was, but, um, you know, and it happens. It happens all the time. Yeah, absolutely. So who is, who is, of all the, the, the wrestlers you've met, who is the most entertaining backstage? Who's the funniest? Oh, my goodness. Uh, Tony Atlas. Uh, <laughs> I thought you were going to say that. Yeah, he, well, I'll tell you, from an entertainment value, the boogeyman, um, oh, yeah. he, me, me and him are very close, and, and we chat all the time. We've done some cons together. I've, I've booked him on some stuff, and me and him are really close. And uh, he, as far as entertainment value, he, even behind the scenes, even when it's just me and him, he is so kayfabe. Uh, it is just absolutely amazing, and I, and I just love this guy for it. And, and, he, and me and him are on the same level. Uh, as far as how we feel and, and, and what we think of the business. And so I think that's where our connection is. Um, but uh, Tony, he is just off the chain. And also, pe- people will not believe it, but Baby Doll was actually, uh, did a show with her, and she was, she almost had me crying. I was laughing so hard uh, because she was so funny. There was, uh, I'll tell you quick, you got a second. I can tell you this quick story, Absolutely. but, the, uh, but it, it was both, uh, uh, Tony and baby doll were both in the same, you know, we're all in the same dressing room. And so it, it both happened the same night, but there's, there was this one, uh, new kid, uh, he was all buffed and everything else and ripped and on, on the roids and stuff. And he was, he just kept eyeing, uh, baby doll just eyeballing her hard all night and she's sitting there she's like sitting like next to me and stuff and we're just chit-chatting and he just keeps eyeballing her and eyeballing her he's maybe about five or six feet away and eventually she notices and finally she just gets tired of it and she's just like all right dude come on put it right here in my hand because i'm tired of you staring at me just put it right here let's see what you got and let's get it over with because i'm tired of you looking at me and he just did not know what the hell to do. The locker room is standing there waiting to see what he's going to do. And he just eventually just turned red, 
walked away, and he never said anything to anybody for the rest of the night. And she just put him all out there like that, and that was wow. hilarious. Oh man! Because this guy thought he was thought he was the shit, you know. And uh, and then Tony, the same night, he's walking around the dressing room, and and all of a sudden he's um, I, I'm not going to get too graphic, but there was a part of him that he had tucked and he's like walking around and he's like, does anybody see my, my, I lost something. And he's like walking around and it's like, come on, man, really? It's like, you know, if, if you did lose it, I'm sure everybody would see it. So, you know, it's like, just, but, uh, but yeah, he, he was just, uh, and then another quick, quick story about Tony me, like I said, we traveled together and we did a, uh, an autograph signing and he had a huge crush on China and, uh, we had a, a, an autograph signing to do, and, and they had a, a cardboard cutout of China and I was driving at the time cause he didn't drive. And so all of a sudden we're leaving and here he is carrying the, the, the cutout of China. I'm like, where the hell did you get that? He goes, Oh, the guy gave it to me. I'm like, Oh, whatever, dude. And so we took it back to the hotel and, and, uh, he had his own room, but he had two beds in there. And, and next morning I went to go to get him for breakfast. So we can go. And he opens up the door and there she is. She's, he's got the cardboard cutout laid out on the bed, nice and neat. Like she's like, she's taking a nap. And I'm like, really dude? He goes, I just don't want nothing to happen to her, man. He says, I got to make sure she stays nice and good. You know, don't want to get it crinkled or not. But I'm like, oh, the room service. It off. <laughs> right. Yeah. So yeah, so that was, that was pretty funny. He's a pretty funny guy, man. Plus That's... he's a, he's a great artist too. I don't know if oh you've ever God. seen any oh, of his yes. work. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. But he, he's a great artist. That's that's funny. You know, you, you when you said you had some backstage stories and you mentioned Baby Doll, I thought for a second there you might she might have slipped up and finally told somebody what was in that envelope. <laughs> no, we'll never um, know that. No, we'll never know that one. But yeah, no, she put that dude out there, man, and it was just that was just too funny, man, because everybody just like stopped. They were like, okay, well, what the hell is he going to do? And uh, he just didn't do nothing, just like everybody knew he was, you know. So that's funny. But, you, know. you know, you you mentioned um, entertaining characters, and of course, you you mentioned Jimmy uh, Benny at, at, at the intro of the show mentioned meeting you at uh, at, at Jimmy's the, the, the Jimmy Valiant School out. At, what is it you say, Benny? Uh, out in the middle, out. Uh, Go out to the middle of nowhere. Yeah, and you put your you, you put on your GPS middle of nowhere. You get there and you drop another hundred miles and you're in Shawsville. But it's absolutely beautiful though. But I'm I'm curious as, as Jimmy's a, a friend of the show. Um, how did you end up meeting him? As you, you mentioned booking him, is there is there a, a fun story of that first interaction? Oh, with Jimmy Valiant. We yeah. Uh, how, you, how you went about? Yeah, we uh no, we've uh, done some shows together. Uh he was booked on some other shows before and so that's how I've kind of got to meet him and talk to him and everything and uh I met Johnny Valiant one time too up in in Pennsylvania. He did a show uh that I got to meet him on, but no, Jimmy, we've done we've been on on uh on quite a few different events together. We're on a, a Comic-Con together um in um I want to say Lynchburg, Virginia, I think. Um couple few years ago but uh, that was the actually the last time i had actually seen him uh but throughout my career i've been on many a show with jimmy and he was always always a hoot man just always just a great guy just loves the business and 
you know, I got nothing but love and respect for that man for everything that he does. But the, how I got involved with, with his show was his, one of his daughters, uh, Lisa, who I've known for a few years, we've done, I tagged with her son, who's a, who's a, a wrestler. I tagged with her son one time at a, a local show. And so we got to meet and, and talk and everything. And so she's the one that kind of hit me up and said, Hey, you know, uh, we're having this big birthday bash. Why don't you see to come on out? And so I'm like, yeah, I've never, I've never been there. I said, I've always heard about it and I've always passed it whenever I've gone down, you know, 81 going South to wrestle. I've always seen the place, but I've never been there. And I'm like, yeah, this is my chance, man. I've never been there. Um, and, uh, let's do it. And so I went and it was just an absolutely amazing time. And I got to see Jimmy again, who I hadn't seen in a few years. And, um, so yeah, so it's just, it's just, it's always been a, you know, always connection. We've always been on shows, but we've never, um, you know, been like real friends or nothing, but he's always been a great guy and always chatted with. And actually when I saw him at the comic con a couple of years ago, I bought a mask, uh, that his wife made. Uh, it's like a Spider-Man mask with Spider-Man and everything on it, which I thought was really cool. And, and so I had to bring it with me because when I went to that show, I had him autograph it for me. I'm like, look, dude, I, I bought the hood, you know, two years ago, but you never autographed it. So here, autograph it for me. And, uh, he sure as heck did. And, and so, yeah, so it's just, uh, and I'm looking forward to going back this Sunday, actually, they're having a big graduation event. Um, and I was invited back again. And so I'm like, yeah, man, I said, put me in a match and give me somebody. And so, uh, I will be in action this Sunday there, Jimmy's big graduation bash that he's having. And so I look forward to seeing all the, the graduates and, and, you know, shaking their hands and everything and having a good time again, man, meeting all the people. I mean, it was, it was crazy last time I went there. So I'm expecting the same this time. So uh, before I forget, let's wish uh, Lisa Valiant a happy birthday. I believe today is her birthday. It is. It yes. is her birthday today. Yes. yes and, it is. you know, all, all joking aside about, you know, God's country in the middle of nowhere, um, I drove, I think it was about 800 miles to this place from, you know, from basically Tampa, Florida. And I have to say, I mean, number one, Shawsville is beautiful, and it's in the Blue Ridge Mountains. It is it it truly is God's country. Not not in terms of being in the middle of nowhere, just because of its absolute beauty and peacefulness. And it just when you get there, you just feel relaxed. And Jimmy Valiant is not only like probably the nicest wrestling personality I've ever met. He's probably like the nicest human being I've ever met. I I could never. It would take two shows to say say how I feel about Jimmy Valiant. And his wife, Angel, they just make you feel like a part of the family uh, the minute you get there. And um, so I would say if anybody, it's usually it's 12 to not usually it's 12 to four every Sunday. And it'll be it'll be this Sunday and a special yeah. appearance by Carnage. And I believe it's their largest graduating class. But if you have a, a, a free Sunday afternoon, even if it's a couple hour drive, you won't regret it. Number one, you know, the show, like the the, the, the wrestlers, the, the show that they put on is phenomenal. And um, you could be, I, I'm going to take it back, not even the cornfield. Uh, you could be at Jimmy John's, which I think is about a half a mile away, and you could still hear those carnage chops. I'm, I'm telling you. <laughs> you could pick up your, uh, your uh, what's their, uh, the, the nightclub sub there, like the number eight, and be back, and he'll still be chopping away. But um, it just, and besides the show, the museum, like, is it's 
like I mean, it's a Hall of Fame museum, but there are so yeah. many thousands of pictures and and mementos and things of Jimmy's career. You know, Jimmy started in 1964. I, I guess like I just can say enough things about it, um, and it it's well worth the drive. And Jimmy Valiant will go out of his way to make you feel at home because that's just the kind of guy he is. Him and Angel and I. You know, I'm I'm BWC for life. I'm par- I I am part of the family right now, and I you know I'll be back. I won't be back this Sunday, unfortunately, but I will definitely be back. And uh, so I recommend it for everybody. Yeah, I, de- I definitely do. Like I said, that was my first time there. I was very impressed with what they had going on and uh, all the wrestlers that I got to meet. Um, and just it was just it was just a good time, man. I mean, it was just uh, I mean it was kind of hot that day, and so. It was but, uh, but everybody loved it. I mean, it was a packed house. I mean, I think there had to be over a hundred people in there. I mean, it was it was just insane. there was no but, room in those bleachers. I can tell you firsthand. Yeah, yeah. It was it was it was it was completely packed. I mean, people were outside. I mean, trying to look in. I mean, it was just and uh, but yeah, you're you're absolutely right about Jimmy. He is he is a true, uh, genuine person, and just um, I don't know. You can't think of wrestling. In, in my whole career, whenever I think of wrestling, you just can't think of it without involving him or, or thinking about him because he's just uh, done so much and, and just loves the business so much. You just have to respect the man. Have to. Totally. Well, as, as we get ready to wrap up here, um, you, I think wrestling school is a great kind of leaving off point uh do you have any advice for our listeners out there um or would you give any any tidbits to someone who might be get interested in getting involved in the wrestling business today yeah i i get asked that sometimes and you know it, it's i i always want to even when people talk to me about wanting me to train them and things like that i'm like look i said if you want to be in this business, this, you know, you got to have three main parts. You have to have the heart and the passion for it. You have to have the respect for the past, you know, and you have to want to learn. And those are the three main things that I, that I tell anybody, if you want to really become a successful and respected person in this business. I mean, you have to do those three things. You can't, you need to definitely leave your ego at the door, man. You need to, to people just don't, don't, you know, they want to come in be all cocky and, and think, Oh yeah, well, I, I, you know, I see, uh, you know, the rock on TV and I'm going to cut a promo like him. No, you never will cut a promo like him. Never. Okay. So get it out of your head. And so, you don't need to, I, I remember that the, there was that movie with, uh, um, uh, fighting with your family, uh, with, uh, yeah, yeah the, 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 the page, page. Yeah. right. And with page, right. Exactly. And, and in that movie, the, the rock says one thing in there when he meets them that, that really says it all. Cause she was talking about that. She wanted to be like him and he says, no, he says, you need to be the next you. And, and, and that's what that really stuck with me. And, and I, and I heard that and I'm like, that's exactly it. You know, people will always want to come into this business. They want to be like this guy or like this one. It's like, no, you need to be the next you, you need to be different. You need to change it. You need to be something that nobody else is. 
And, uh, you know, that, that's all you could do. I mean, and just, if you can do those three things, you want to, you want to learn your respect and have the passion in the heart. If you have those few things, you'll be successful in this business. So real quick, Mark, uh, what, do you watch wrestling, the current product? Do you watch, uh, raw SmackDown on, on Monday or Friday night? Uh, I really don't watch much TV at all. I mean, I might catch an occasional SmackDown on Friday. Um, I don't watch it much anymore. I mean, I, I love the Iconics, but they're not there anymore. So, I mean, they were like my favorite people I loved watching. And so they're not on it. So I really don't watch it a whole lot. I do love AJ Styles. I uh, met him many years ago in Ring of Honor. Um, and um, so I, if he's on, I'll watch it. If, you know, if people are on that I that I like, I'll maybe check it out just so I could see them. But but overall, the product, I really don't hardly watch any of it. I, I never watch any Impact, and uh, I don't really uh, watch AEW. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll watch some of it online. I might, you know, look at YouTube videos and things like that, but I don't really follow any of it because it's just not what I do. It's not what I came into the business loving. And so it's hard for me to watch something like that, that, uh, you know, that's not in my world. You know what I mean? So, right. I have the feeling Mark that, you know, you wrestle in front of a hundred people. And I think if you wrestled in front of a hundred thousand people, you would you'd be no more intense or passionate than you were that day. I mean, you you know you know we the place was packed, but you know it wasn't you know maybe a hundred hundred fifty people. But you you wrestled like there was a hundred thousand people out there, which I mean you have my utmost respect for doing that. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And you know, a lot of kids don't get that. You know, they come into the business and be like, oh man, there's only like you know thirty people out there. But it don't matter. I mean, some of these veterans that I've talked to over the years, you know, they tell you it doesn't matter whether it's five or five thousand. You go out there, you're entertaining whoever's out there, no matter the number. It's not the number. It's the fans. And you need to because every person out there is paying to get in there to see you. And so you need to go out there and give them 100 percent. I mean, I've wrestled in front of three people. I've wrestled, you know, in front of almost five thousand. You know, at, at the uh, Virginia State Fair many years ago at the amphitheater, we had almost we almost filled up the amphitheater and, and it holds, I think, almost 7000. I think we had like almost 4000 people. So I've wrestled in front of big, you know, big amounts and I've wrestled in front of little amounts. And it doesn't matter. It's just you need to go out there and give a, a thousand percent, no matter what the number is out there. You're in there to do a, to do what you need to do to entertain. And the number should not matter ever so that's the uh that's the trick then that's what what benny was talking about earlier you're you're throwing chops hoping that hundred thousand person in the in the back row can hear it so <laughs> it sounds really loud when the farthest person if, if mark was at woodstock and he threw yeah. a chop the, they, first, they, the they, person they, in the back of the field at woodstock would have heard that chop right the, the, the guy in the last seat at wembley stadium could hear that chop. So, so somebody in the same room of course but, uh, you know, I really, I really, I really appreciate that, Dan. But I, I mean, it's just, uh, I believe that people still need to believe, whether they do or not, they still need to believe in in the person in the ring. And so I go out there, 
give a thousand percent and I'm trying to make them believe that what I'm doing is not what they see on TV, you know, and, and that's all I can do. And so if it means for me to go out there and bloody someone's chest with a chop to make them believe it, then that's what I'm going to do because I want them to believe. I want people to believe in the product again. And that's what I do every match that I'm in. Can't, can't go wrong with that. As we, as we wrap up here, one file, give you the final thought. What does the, uh, what does the future hold for, for carnage? Wow. I don't know, man, whatever I guess I want to do with it. You know, I, I use my superpowers of wrestling for good, man. I started a nonprofit. I do fundraisers. I do charity events. I do anything I can to help people outside of the ring, uh, with what I do inside the ring. So, uh, anybody out there listening, anybody listening to the show, use your superpowers for good. Don't just be, uh, tunnel visioned with it, you know, expand and do other things with it for, for others and, and try to make the world a better place. You know, that's all you could do. And I thank you for your time and I appreciate you guys. Thank you very much. Oh, it was our pleasure. Yeah, no, absolutely. Thank you so much. Uh, um, do you have any, any thing you want to plug on your way out? Uh, well, like I said, I'll be at Jimmy's this Sunday. Come on out, Shawsville, Virginia, uh, October 8th. I'll be in, uh, oh, my God, oh, the Halifax Fair. Uh, we're having a big wrestling event there uh, with Strong Style Pro Wrestling. You can look them up. I'll be on that show. That's always a huge event. Um, and then whatever else happens between now and then, man, who knows? But just uh, just Google Bad Boy Carnage. You'll find me. I'm not that hard to find. Find me on Facebook, Instagram, everything else. And uh, God bless everyone out there. I appreciate you believing in wrestling and loving wrestling uh, because we do it for you and you only, the fans, uh, because it's you that help us live our dreams. So go out there and live yours. Amen. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. That's uh, Bad Boy Carnage. Like he said, look him up. Mark Perez, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you. Stay blessed, my friends. Yes, sir. Right, take, take care. You have yourself a good night. Shot him on Sunday, Mark. I will. Well, that was fun. Oh yeah, yeah, I, I knew it would be. He, he's quite the guy. Yeah, he's he's got it's got some great stories as always, um, and and it's always a good time and. Obviously, you, Benny, I know, uh, being one of your favorites, anytime somebody comes on the show and plugs Jimmy's school, always a good day. Absolutely. And I have to apologize. I kind of glossed over your story. You you have to tell it, you know, tell tell the story about your story. Well, yeah, as you as you mentioned, I uh, I, I have my first my first uh, article posted on pro wrestling stories. The uh, George uh, George Pontas was uh, on our sh show a few months back, the unsung hero of wrestling. Uh, it's just, it's his life, his story of how he obviously came to came to America, how the the American dream there of working his way up, being involved in wrestling, and then sitting at ringside all the Crockett shows all those years, recording some of the great matches, the Flair Steamboat, the Battle of the Nature Boys between Flair and Buddy Rogers, the only known video of that match is George sitting at ringside with his camera. So, I mean, just really a lot of people, especially with the, with the proliferation of the network and their focus on the mid Atlantic specials and, and the Crockett specials, there's so many fans out there that have seen 
George's videos and not even realize just how important his contribution is because you know, the the cameraman is often the unsung hero and and it's very important I think to tell that story. Absolutely, and if you don't read it, uh, you'll get a knock on your door and it'll be bad boy carnage and the penalty is one chop. So one you should read the story. There you go. One and, job is all it takes. Right. And everybody in the neighborhood will know you just That's received. right. <laughs> well, uh, always, always a good time on the show, Benny. We uh, a lot of a lot more good times coming up. So for the BS Express himself, Benny Scal, I'm Dan Sebastiano. Have a good night, everyone. And as always, happy wrestling. Good night. Stay safe.